There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, a couple things to talk to you about. First, Draft.com. The NFL season's right around the corner. Still a little bit of time to do some best balls, but then you got the weekly drafts, all kinds of great stuff. You got baseball going strong, golf, your tour championship this week. Wait a couple weeks, you got the Greenbrier, the Safeway, tons of awesome stuff there. Basketball's around the corner. Go check it out. They do snake style drafts. That's how it all started out. Don't have to worry about ownership. You're the only one that owns them. They have auction-style drafts, and I already mentioned best ball. They swept the world by storm last year. They made them bigger and better than ever. They have a a million-dollar winner, $25 entry best ball tournament for football going on right now, and much, much more. So if you're new to draft, go to the the app store, download it, draft.com, draft in your app store. Use promo code SDSports, SD as in dog sports, when you make your first deposit, and you'll get entry into a free $3 tournament of your choice, any tournament, auction, best ball, Snake, whatever you want, free $3 tournament, promo code SD Sports. Go check it out. Also, if you go to iTunes, give a rating and review. I'd really, really appreciate it. It would help the podcast out quite a bit as things are changing and the way they rank things over there. Every rating and review goes a long, long ways. takes a couple seconds out of your day. would mean a ton to me. Now, for this edition of Bench with Bubba, episode 203, Bubba and the Backflip 5. Back everybody to Bubba and the Bat Flip episode five. Gonna talk some more recent uh, injuries, news, so much more, and some interesting players. In order to break it all down, you can find me on Twitter at BDNTrick and my co-host on this great endeavor, as always, on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. Toby, how we doing? We are doing pretty well, Bubba. Uh, we were talking a little bit before the show. Had our first fantasy football draft last night, so did my did my best to fake it till I make it, but. You know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. I'm I'm excited to be back in the fantasy baseball world where I feel a little bit more comfortable. How are you doing? Yep. 
I'm doing, I'm doing. Yeah, that was like my – I've had too many drafts already. It's been a wild <laughs> wild go-around already. But anytime I can talk baseball over football, I'm a happy, happy man. So very much looking forward to this chat uh, over the next you know, hour, hour and a half or so on some interesting topics, some injuries, season-ending type stuff, some call-ups. It'll be quite interesting to see how it goes. But uh, let's just get right at it. Before we get started, a – piece of news that happened tonight that we don't have to talk about just so people can pay attention. Chris Archer left after the first inning with shoulder discomfort. So keep an eye on that one. He was actually kind of turning it around of late. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. All I saw was the pitching ninja gif um, that, uh, that was thrown up there. And so uh, interested to see what happens to him. Obviously not, not great for Archer, you know, who can be, who can be successful in short, uh, short sprints, but you know, over the long term, I think he's, he's, he's been dangerous to fantasy baseball teams for a few years now. So. Yep. He's not on my agenda. That's for darn sure. Um, but let's get to it. Chris sale. This is kind of the big news. Went on the IL late last week, you know, had some arm issues, shoulder issues, elbow issues, whatever you want to look at. Went and mess, met with a good old, uh, Dr. James Andrews. That's the name you don't want to hear. Right. The reports came back that uh, it's not going to need Tommy John surgery, but the elbow is still messed up. He's going to receive a platelet-rich injection, a.k.a. he's done for the rest of the season. They're going to try to let it heal, kind of how some of these other people have let, you know, Tanaka's and a few others heal up. But done for the year, it's, it sucks if you're a sale owner, but it's, it's kind of been a rocky ride all season with him to begin with. Yeah, I unfortunately am a sale owner. I drafted him in one of my main event drafts, number five overall. It was, I think, you know, the day after he signed that extension, there was all the concerns about his injuries. Yeah, everybody was like, oh, the Red Sox have signed him. They must not be concerned. And obviously it's been an up and down season. It's a little surprising that the injury comes now. He's actually been, had one of his best stretches over the last couple of starts. Um, Over the last 14 days, 15% swinging strike rate and a 42.6% K-minus walk rate. So he was actually really good in his last couple starts, which I think makes it just a little extra painful. I feel like Sale, you know, just toyed with his owners. His owners stuck with him at the beginning of the season. He had that stretch where he was just one of the best pitchers in the game. Everybody thought he was back to being who he was. He sucked again, and then just as he starts to get good again, he's gone. I think the good news, as you mentioned, it doesn't sound like Tommy John is necessarily at this point. From what I read, it looks like it's just elbow inflammation. There's no structural damage. But like you said, he did get a platelet-rich injection or whatever uh, those things are called. And that's always just, you know, anytime there's any elbow inflammation or anything going on, it's a major major red flag. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up kind of next year. Do you have any thoughts on where you think, you know, he may may end up in next year's drafts? And that's the crazy part is because – there's going to be people that are going to kind of be hesitant based on this this injury potential because in reality the way he throws a baseball people have been waiting for Tommy John surgery forever with Chris Sale and somehow you know before this year maybe parts of last year he stayed healthier longer than anybody expected that uh, looks at the the mechanics of throwing a baseball um, for me it's going to be tough for me to to jump on board I wasn't as high on him this year as other were, other people were. Uh, he at times made me eat my words in a big way at other times kind of made me feel good about not jumping on board. Um, so it it was kind of hit and miss with Chris sale. 
I think he'll still be in the discussion of the top, you know, three or four starters, maybe top two starters behind Scherzer for many. For me, he's going to fall behind, you know, Cole, Verlander, Scherzer, obviously, and some of those guys. He'd, he'd have to fall in drafts for me. So I think there's a very good chance I won't own him again next year. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, I've been burned a little bit this year. I'll try to put that out of my head and make a educated decision when drafts come around. But I agree. I think he's, he's kind of fallen behind that top echelon uh, of pitchers. It'll be interesting to see how he does, how he looks in, in, uh, in spring training next year. Hopefully he gets a full spring training. Yeah. You know, a lot of those guys who didn't get full spring trainings this year, just really never got going or struggled to get going. We saw some other guys, um, in that situation. So we'll see. I think, yeah, it's probably second round. I think somebody will probably take a risk on him next year, but it'll definitely be one of those major questions heading into the off season. Yeah. Because in the spring training is going to be a very big part because that's probably one of the big reasons I laid off him this year is I did not like what I saw in spring training. And I know all the reports were, Oh, we're taking it easy with them and all this stuff, but I don't know. It just seemed like it was never really, he had like a, what a one month stretch or so, maybe month and a half where he really dominated but we didn't have that Chris Sale this year like we've seen. We haven't really had that from a lot of guys because the bouncy ball's in play. But um, that's a whole other discussion. I watched Kyle Schwarber hit a double tonight to the opposite field off the uh, the the Ivy that literally should not have gotten past, you know, middle of the outfield. It was ridiculous. So, yeah. bouncy ball it is. Um, for the Red Sox, they called up Brian Johnson to join the rotation. Nate Evaldi's in the rotation. They don't really have any sexy arms to uh, go targeting – on the waiver wire, unless there's anybody from the Red Sox I'm missing. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I feel like if, if you could use a GIF on, um, on a podcast, this would be the time where you like put up the one where, uh, Winona Ryder is like looking very confused with the numbers going by her head. Um, (laughs) because I really just don't see any options for the Red Sox starters. I think if anything, you know, the Red Sox, they already were, but I think even more so they become, an, uh, uh, a pitching staff that you want to target. I mean, with David Price out, mm-hmm. with Sale out, I mean, who on earth is there? I mean, like, pretty soon Nate Eovaldi is going to be their ace. So, um, you know, I'd be I'd be going after them. Uh, they'll be they'll be a nice matchup for offenses, I think, for the rest of the season. Really. Yeah, the best part about okay, let me rephrase this. There's nothing good about someone having an injury like this, but the best part about the Red Sox struggles is it allows the Rays to come jump into that wild card. That makes me oh so happy. Oh so very happy. Yeah, it'll be nice. The Rays deserve yes. deserve a little postseason action. Yes, all 12 people that show up to the game will really, really love it. Um, For sure. But they got great Twitter fans. Great, great Twitter, Twitter fans. fans. Some of the best. Absolutely. Um, let's go to the Cleveland Indians. This is kind of a shame. You know, there's the positive we saw in a couple uh, – it was yesterday. Carlos Carrasco pitched in a single-A game. Was hitting like 96 plus, looked really good for 16 pitches. That was just awesome to see. I didn't think he'd even throw a baseball the rest of the year, let alone maybe come and pitch out the bullpen for the postseason, which is just crazy to think about where the Indians are at now. But it's even more important when you look at uh, Corey Kluber, who was starting to rehab after being out with a fractured arm. To think about it, all the problems the Indians pitching staff has had this year, Kluber just got a line drive back at him and fractured his arm. But now, during his rehab, messes up his oblique. They're going to shut him down for at least two more weeks. We know how oblique injuries can linger, especially for a pitcher having to use that midsection for torque and everything. This is a bad deal, I think, for Kluber. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him until late September, if not, maybe not the rest of the year. 
But what are your thoughts on uh, Kluber getting shut down for two more weeks? Yeah, I mean, this is particularly brutal for those owners who kind of held on to him for pretty much. I mean, you know, how long was he around for a month before he got injured? He just he did not. He was terrible. And then you hold on to him for this long. He seems like he's so close right in time to um, help you out during the playoff stretch. And then he, he goes, he goes away. I mean, for me, he's really a drop in all formats. I think I've gotten a lot of questions recently just about some of these injured pitchers, you know, uh, Tyler glass now is another example of a guy who's, you know, close to coming back. And I think the question that you, that folks need to start asking themselves is like, number one, like what's the probability that they are going to pitch again. Right. So for Kluber, you know, let's just say randomly it's 50% that he even pitches for the rest of the season. Then you have to ask yourself, okay, if he's going to pitch the rest of the season, is he going to pitch meaningful innings? So is he going to pitch, you know, five or more innings enough to get a win or six innings to get a quality start? Is he going to be able to get those Ks for you? You know, what's the probability of that happening? And then after that, um, you know, are they actually going to pitch well, right? So are they going to pitch? Are they going to pitch meaningful innings? Are they going to pitch well in those meaningful innings? And you have to say yes to all of those questions to really have it make sense. And I think the probability of that happening is very low. And I think there's probably a higher probability that you'll be able to pick somebody up off the waiver wire and stream some options here down the stretch and get just as much value from even even as bad as the pitching landscape is, I think you can get just as much value from streaming guys between now and the end of the season as you could if Kluber comes back, say, and pitches, you know, three weeks. Um, and I think that that's very, very unlikely. So I think he's a drop. That's and I very think optimistic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes, like, as fantasy owners, we let our optimism get the best of us. And I think it's a mm-hmm. game of probabilities and it's a game of, you know, of odds. And we don't know the exact percentage probability of different things happening, but anytime you have to filter that many levels of probability, you know, like let's say it's 50% that he's actually going to pitch again. And then it's 50% that he's going to pitch meaningful innings, right? That's 25%. And then it's 50% chance that he's actually good in those meaningful innings. That's a 12.5% chance. So like one out of every eight, eight situations, he's going to pitch meaningful, good innings. And if that's the case, again, I'm making up those chances, but like, just, you just got to move on and, and, and it sucks. Yeah, no, I was kind of moving on, on his last injury people like, cause the way the wires have been, you know, NFC leagues, you have no injury list. So like you just had to start cutting bait on guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know some people held on or some people picked him up recently. Yeah. He, he's, he's off the team for the rest of the way here. There's a good chance. I think there's a really good chance. Like you said, he might come out of the bullpen towards the end. I don't think we see anything worthwhile uh, the rest of the way. Kind of like you were tweeting about Tyler Meadows the other day. Um, I, I think he's pretty much not Meadows. Um, Glass now. Glass now. He's Tyler Glass now. He's pretty much you know worthless because he's only going to pitch a few innings here, a few innings there. Uh, not full starts for you to help you out. And then it brings into the, to the light also what I started with there is you know Carlos Carrasco throwing an inning. There is a good chance if this keeps up, he's going to get some bullpen work towards the end, but. At the same time, like you were talking about Kluber and worthwhile innings, I don't think Carrasco is going to give you any of those this way. So don't go running out there and blowing your fab. I really don't think uh, it's going to be a great story, but I don't think it's going to be a great fantasy story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's go to the Seattle Mariners. Domingo Santana. At the start of the year, this is a guy that everyone was in love with, goes to Japan and starts dropping bombs everywhere. 
and he's had a pretty good year. It's kind of been quiet, but overall pretty good year. Uh, he's on the IL now with the right elbow inflammation. And kind of the, the kicker in this story is the Mariners call up a prospect, Jake Fraley, who's been swinging it really well. You look at his minors numbers, pretty decent power on the year. This year has 19 homers between double A AA and triple A. But the takeaway for me is he's a stolen base machine. Uh, 22 steals this year. He had 11 in shortened season last year, but 39, 33, 28. The boy runs when he gets on base. And this time of year, if he can snag five-plus steals the rest of the way, maybe even more, that's tremendous. So what's your take on Santana to the IL and maybe some Jake Fraley love? Yeah, I mean, I think for Santana, especially thinking about next year, you know, my my hunch, I mean, his 2019 is very similar to his, two, his 2017. Uh, when we look at his plate skills, like 26.5% O-swing versus 26.6% O-swing, 78.9% uh, contact uh, in-zone in contact rate versus 78.9% in-zone contact rate. 70.3% overall contact rate versus 70.3% contact rate. So Santana, I feel like the guy that he's been in 2017 and 2019 is probably what we should expect um, heading into 2020 as folks, folks start to think about that. So I think that's just interesting. It seems like 2018 is more of the outlier. Um, so as long as he gets playing time, I think the power should be there with a little bit of speed. Um, and so I think, you know, for next year and, and end of the season, I still think he's a valuable bat. Like you mentioned on Fraley, the speed is, is the intriguing piece. Uh, he was 22 for 29 on stolen bases in the minors. That's a 76% success rate. So, you know, it's not terrific for the minor leagues, but it is something. And he's on the Mariners and we know that they run a lot. Um, and so I think that's a really good combination there. And he doesn't lack power. 19 home runs between AA and uh, AAA this year. He's got a lower than league average K percentage, which is nice. His walk percentage is decent. Uh, he had a WRC plus of 103 in AAA and 156 in AA, uh, which is surprising because uh, where he plays in AA, Arkansas. I just found out this new resource, by the way. Um, uh, Baseball America has uh, minor league park factors. Oh, really? um, and they provided a mid-season update. Yeah, it was shared to me by um, a prospect guy. Let me look up his name so that I can... Uh, his name's uh, Alex uh, Jensen, Jensen underscore Juicy. Um, and he shared the article with me and it just provides, um, you know, kind of context for uh, minor league park factors from Baseball America. And it's super helpful for me. I've been using it recently since I found out just to see, kind of gauge, you know, whether people are doing things in a hitter friendly environment or not. He had a 156 WRC plus in, in AA. Again, they don't have the happy fun ball. And it, Arkansas is a sixth percentile. So it's way down there in terms of park factors. So I found that really intriguing. It'll be interesting to see how much playing time um, he gets in that outfield, what it means for other guys, including Malik Smith, um, for instance. But, um, you know, overall, like decent power, uh, some speed, uh, not a high K rate, which I think is a really good sign. And, you know, that's the type of profile that can get you a lot of value in a short period of time if he runs into a little bit of luck. So I'm definitely intrigued, like you said. Yeah, one thing I noticed uh, in the minors, you got the PCL, which is a band box. The Eastern League this year with the bouncy balls more. And then you get the double A, and everyone says that's why like, it's just such a pitcher-friendly league just overall for most of the double A stadiums. They say if you can hit in double A, you can hit anywhere. So that's the uh, the real test of times. So hopefully they don't put the bouncy balls down there. But uh, we'll <laughs> we'll wait and see. A couple pieces of breaking news that just came in. We don't. I don't have any extra information. If that comes out while we're recording, we'll talk about it more in depth. 
but something to just keep on the back of your mind and look for. The Astros made two uh, D or IL moves right now. Aaron Sanchez goes to the IL. He kind of had a rough outing, got yanked to like two and a third innings. And then Carlos Correa with the back injury back on the IL. So, oh keep- man, you know, you know what everybody's thinking. Yeah, this did you have another massage? This could, this could be, <laughs> yes, the massage, but everybody's like Kyle Tucker. Is oh, Kyle yeah. Tucker coming up? I saw, I saw, Tell us. Yeah, I saw a good old Maddie Modica go. Only if Kyle Tucker could play shortstop, and I, I think it was Rob. Um, yeah. I think it was Rob Silver comes in and goes. Think about it this way: you put Guriel to third, you put um, Bregman to, sh- and then you put Tucker to first. That could work, and it's like it's like, light. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if if Kyle Tucker doesn't come up for this, there is something he did that's really really wrong that they were not going to give him playing time, but they're still not going to trade him. He did something if he doesn't get the call here. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so funny. Like, it's a game. It's like, what? how can we fit Kyle Tucker into the Houston Astros lineup? And the only the only people that don't seem to want to play are the Astros. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see what happens there. I mean, imagine it, if Tucker is called up, it's just going to be a frenzy. Uh, people are just going to go absolutely nuts, especially those folks. Like, I know in one of my main event leagues, uh, somebody I think was holding on to Tucker. Let's see. Um, somebody I think was holding on to Tucker like all year long and just dropped him last, this past week. And it's like, if he comes up, then it's just going to drive people bonkers. So it'll be, it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm pretty like he's going to, he's going to be taken in a lot of leagues, but yeah, if he's still available for whoever has fab left, uh, that'll be a fun one. That'll be a lot of fun. And it'll be as fun as watching that team come down the stretch. He's already on the 40-man roster, so it's not like they have to do a lot of mixing and matching to get him up. So like I said, if more information comes down, I keep MLB trade rumors up while we record. So if more stuff comes down, we'll definitely um, mention it along the way. But yeah, just looking at TGFBI League 2 right now, Kyle Tucker is not available. So mm. yeah, he's uh, he gone. All right. Let's go to the Texas Rangers. Nomar Mazzara heads to the IL with a strained left oblique, another oblique injury, which is not good at all. But uh, another prospect gets to call up, a nice fun one here, Nick Solak. I remember hearing about him. Like Solak got traded from the Rays, and I remember like Matt Thompson and some other prospect guys are kind of like surprised by this move, at the same time happy, because the thing with the Rays is they have so many guys that are never going to get to the 40-man roster because there's so many guys that they have to make kind of strange moves like this. And so people are kind of excited with the idea of him going to the Rangers. And I noticed he got his first big league uh, hit in game one. And I tweeted out even before the game, hey, pay attention to this kid. Could be fun. Uh, and he, he got his first career home run in game two in Oppo Taco. Uh, he combined for uh, 27 home runs between two different AAAs, between Nashville and uh, Durham this year, hitting 289. With a 362 OBP and a 532 slug, 894 OPS. He's a good ball player. Lots of power. He showcased at times in the minor. And this year, he's only got five steals, but in years past, you know, 21, 13, 14, he ran a little bit in years past. Uh, what's your thoughts on, you can A, no more bizarre. I think he's pretty much done for the year. But uh, B, Solak getting the call, maybe another interesting waiver wire ad this week. Yeah, um, I really like Solak a lot. Um only for a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, the he's more of a fantasy prospect, I think, than he is 
you know, the, the reason why the Rays were willing to let him go is because he doesn't really have a position on defense or at least a position that he plays well. It reminds me a little bit of a lesser version of Willie Calhoun in some, in some respects, although I don't think he's that, uh, he's not that bad. Um, he's not as bad as Calhoun is, but you know, he's got a nice hit tool. He hits for power, as you mentioned, you know, 27 home runs already this year and less than, you know, 50 plate, 500 plate appearances. Again, happy fun ball in AAA, so take of it what you will, but it still exists in, in the majors, and he's going to be hitting in a nice hitter's park where it's going to be really warm here towards the end of the season. And yeah, as you mentioned, he does have some speed. And I think the reason why a couple of those factors are important is that w- the, the Rangers have one of the best uh, schedules for the rest of the season. So these are the Rangers' remaining games. After today, they have one game against the Angels, they have four against the White Sox, two more against the Angels, four more against the, Mar- the four against the Mariners, three against the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. And again, the Yankees pitching has been atrocious. Herman was getting lit up today. And then four at Baltimore. And then they have uh, Tampa Bay. And then my chart ends. But that's essentially that <laughs> one, two, three, four, five. And I mean, even Tampa with their pitching right now is not, you know, they're not scary by any stretch of the imagination. And so I really like the the schedule that they're going to be facing. So I think that's benefits Solak. And then also when you look at um, some of the teams that they're going to be playing, the Angels, um, the Mariners, uh, the, uh, the Orioles, they're not necessarily known for having great uh, – uh, they're not. They haven't been great against the run, and so I think there is some opportunity potentially for Solak to even steal some bases. Um, Mazzara is just a guy who seems like he's stuck in. He's just been stuck in the same place ever since he came into the big leagues. And it's you know, weird because he's so young. He's so young still. He's, he's crazy still young. Twenty four. If like most people probably that think he's probably like in his late twenties at least, and he's still so young. Yeah, he's so young, but like literally he's been like the same guy for three consecutive years. And the only difference is he got super lucky in uh, in 2017 with the number of RBIs that he got. But like you look at, um, he hits way too many ground balls still, 47% this year. He's His plate skills have deteriorated. He's got a worse uh, o swing by about five percentage points this year. So he's chasing pitches outside the zone more. His contact is down slightly. And most importantly, I think he can't hit lefties. He's got a 45 WRC plus against lefties this year. That's that really good. limits his value in weekly leagues. And I mean, moving forward, if he's never able to hit lefties, is he anything more than a platoon bat? And I think that's a major question. And so, you know, and it's like, He's really young, so there's still the opportunity for growth. But at the same time, I mean, how many plate appearances does he already have? And he hasn't been able to make the adjustments. It just makes me, you know, especially in like a really friendly hitters environment, not in a great pitching division necessarily. Like there just seem to be so many things that uh, reasons why he should do well. He's got over 2000 plate appearances, but still, you know, nothing, nothing special. So I think it's just time to kind of move on and, and if he cut, if he gets good, he gets good. But I'm not going to pay up anything near what has been paid in previous seasons. I think for Mazzara moving forward. Yeah, and that's a shame. It's like I think this last year for sure, and I think even the year before, I, I was big on like Mazzara's value in drafts because I kept thinking he's going to take the next step, take the next step. I, I I find myself I already know I'm going to look at him again this off season. 
And I think his value will be even better this year because I think a lot of people are like in the same train of thought that you are and you're not wrong in that train of thought at all. It's because like, we've seen it time and time again. So now it's like, okay, you got to prove it to me. But I think he's he's just going to keep falling down in the price and eventually he's going to have that big year. I, be, I still believe in him. I just don't know when it's going to happen. So it's like, it's, it's tough to buy in, but at the same time, I think it's going to happen. Like the fact he's 24 leads me to believe some hitting coach is going to adjust something in that swing. Like we talked about Aristis Aquino last week when no one thought he had power at all. He made a change in his swing, comes in this year and he's the punisher. Like there's all these crazy things that happen in, in baseball these days. You know, he, maybe he goes and meets, you know, Daniel Murphy's launch angle guru. There's, there's a lot of weird things that can happen in an offseason that we might not know about because beat reporters just – they don't care about fantasy. Like I think, I think most of the time they, they try to work against fantasy just to mess with us. But um, I'm, I, I believe it's going to happen eventually. And if the price is right, I'll be back again next year, maybe when we're recording like episode 55. Yeah. We'll, be t- we'll be talking about him and I'll be waxing poetically my love for him. And then episode 95, I'll be crying again. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, it's it's probably he's, he's one of those guys. We all have that list of guys that we just can't quit. You know, we talked about Ronaldo Lopez. We talked about others. Somehow, no more Mazzara finds that list. Luckily, this year I think the hype was so big on him, I didn't get him in as many places. But I think next year he's going to be rather cheap. So it'll be interesting. Definitely, yeah. And I think he's one of those guys, like you mentioned, who may just need a change of scenery or a change in who has his ear. Because whatever yeah. he's been doing has not been working, and and something needs to change. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. It could be just something simple. Um, time will tell. Let's go to the Washington Nationals. Sean Doolittle to the IL. He was complaining about uh, arm fatigue there for a while. He's he's going to get a little breather. No one expects it to be that bad. They say he's going to resume his closing duties pretty much right away. But you never know. Sometimes something that doesn't seem that bad is that bad because he was getting beat up there towards the end before they, they gave him his breather. And now we have, if you look at roster resource, it's pretty good. They don't even know who the closer is, Toby. They have Hunter Strickland, Daniel Hudson, Fernando Rodney are all labeled the closer. For me, it's either Daniel Hudson or Hunter Strickland for me. Uh, Strickland's got the – well, so does Rodney's got the experience. But to me, it's Strickland or Hudson. Uh, When I'm looking at Fab this past weekend, Strickland was pretty much gone in most of my deeper leagues. Hudson got picked up pretty much everywhere else. How are you assessing the situation? Because like I said, it should be short-term – but you never know these days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. On Doolittle, Doolittle has just been, uh, I think he's one of those guys where the happy fun ball has really hurt him. He's always had an elevated fly ball rate. Um, it's at 50, close to 55%. This year it's been at or above, at or around 50%, you know, since he came into the league. And so his home run per fly ball rate, it's nothing crazy, but you know, it's, it's close to 12% this year, but in, you know, in uh, six of his seven previous seasons, it's been, you know, well under 10%. And so I definitely think he's a guy um, who is suffering from that. When it comes to who I like in the bullpen, obviously it's a little bit of a messy situation and it's not a long-term thing, but if you're speculating for saves, the guy I'd be looking at is Hudson. Um, he's been pitching pretty well this year. And I think of all the guys, he's got the most kind of closer makeup. Um, He's got a pretty high uh, swinging strike rate uh, this year, um, at least more uh, recently. Um, The K percentage has been, uh, has been pretty nice. Um, And he's not walking, you know, 
too many guys. So I think that's kind of the, uh, a lot of the makeup. He's been able to uh, keep home runs uh, down. Um, he's never had a super high home run per nine. Um, and he's at 0.8 this year. So I think th- those are a lot of the factors that I look for when I think about closing. Um, so I do like Hudson the most. Strickland after that, he's pitched well since coming over to the Nats, but he hasn't been getting a ton of Ks. I don't have it in front of me, but I think he's thrown like eight innings since returning from the DL and he only has five Ks uh, and he's got a pretty low BABIP. And, you know, that's just one of those things where, you know, if you have a closer, you don't want guys to make contact. And um, and so I'm less interested in him. Rodney is kind of off the table. Uh, for me, it was uh, it was Suero today who, who blew the save though. Um, you know, they were up 1-0 heading into the eighth and he gave up three three earned runs. Uh, and then I think Hudson gave up one earned run uh, to make it four, but you I know, got a fun a qu- bit- I got a fun question for you right there. Uh, yeah. um, so you said it and you said it correctly that he blew the save in the eighth. Why do they call it blowing a save, but the category you earn is only a hold? Well, I just think for because, just a fun conversation. Yeah. Well, I think because they don't know you, you can't assume that the guy is going to get pulled from the game. So I think that's where it comes in is like, you know, you're even though, you know, 95% of the time that guy who throws the eighth inning isn't going to throw the ninth inning, you can't make the assumption that they're going to do that. And so if they were to stay in the game, they would in fact get the save, but you know, they're probably not going to, but um, you got to give them a blown save for that reason. It just makes me wonder, like, you know, everyone talks, it's a total just sidebar from what we're talking about, but you know, everyone talks about how hard it is to get saves these days. Everyone saves holds leagues. Like a fun scenario, just sitting here thinking about it while you're talking, is, you know, you could do it in a weird format where if you get the game save, you get like a full save. If you get a hold, you get a half a save. But if you blow a save, you lose a save at any point in the game. And so it's like net saves is is the category. I think that could be somewhat interesting. It needs to be fine-tuned probably. But the idea that you make because the way closers are getting kind of used in different times of games now, it still makes them very valuable is kind of where I'm going with this, but I might just be barking up a stupid tree. It was just a, a random idea just came to me right now, but who knows? No, I actually think there are some leagues that have um, net saves as a category. I want to say, oh, there we that, go. Um, I don't think, they factor in, I don't think they factor in holds. Um, well, at least it wouldn't be smart to get holds because, you'd pretty much just be getting negatives. But I do think there's some leagues where they do net saves or net saves plus hold. So that no, is, I'm, that saying, I'm, saying a, I'm saying a hold counts as a half a save. So okay. you still get credit for it. But if the, if your guy in the eighth lows the save, you still lose a full point. So it just mm-hmm. like, you can't just take every eighth in a reliever. You still got to take good ones, but it kind of mixes up the relieving situation for fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure people are going to start exploring like different options for scoring. Uh, I think here pretty soon. Obviously, chasing saves has been a miserable experience this year. I personally kind of enjoy the strategy of trying to chase these bullpen situations, and I think a lot of it, like if you look at the skills and you try to use that uh, to judge, as well as like if you track it closely about who's getting in and what situations. I think it can kind of give you a little bit of a leg up, but I definitely hear you that, you know, uh, the fantasy game reflects the real game in this instance in valuing saves, even though, you know, like what's the difference between somebody who's a crappy 
guy who gets saves versus a guy who's a really good reliever who gets holds, you know? Yeah, I was just kind of brainstorming there because owning Felipe Vasquez has been one of the more tilting experiences of my life. Oh, so. man. God, when was the last time he got a save? Oh, tonight. Tonight, yeah, tonight, but he barely even gets into games, Toby. Yeah. Like he like he'll go like a week at a time sometimes with maybe one appearance. It's just it's rough. It's really rough. But, yeah, one uh, one thing I'll say on that is is you know, saves come in bunches sometimes. Oh yeah. Um, who was it? It was Hansel. Teams get on hot streaks, yeah. Yeah, it was Hansel. Hansel didn't have a save for like three weeks or and something. And now your like gift that. now your gift portfolio's rolling wild. Oh man, it's going crazy. He's got two already this week. Obviously he's got some nice matchups. And he's also pitched in he pitched today. He's gotten he, I think he's thrown like what is today? Today today's Tuesday. So it was the end of last week maybe that he got the saves. I can't remember exactly. It's all just a blur to be honest with you at this point in the season. But um you know he's been throwing a lot of scoreless innings though. So you just gotta keep the guys in there and um, you know, and really hope that that luck kind of kind of turns in your favor. Like Ian Kennedy, for like a month there, led all of baseball in saves. It's just one of these uh, one of these things. So just stick with it. Be patient. Do your yeah. best. No doubt about it. Um, Harrison Bader got the call. They uh, the Cardinals made some roster moves. Bader has been playing great in the minors, hitting three seventeen with seven homers over sixteen games. He's played very very well. In the bigs, just hasn't really got it going. Um, but, you know, the the pedigree, it, it seems pretty good. Some power, some speed, usually a decent average in the minors. Any interest in a guy like Harrison Bader the rest of the way? Because Cardinals always seem to have a crowded outfield. Yeah, no, and I think for the reason that you mentioned is one of the reasons, right? They've got a crowded outfield. They're always shuffling. There doesn't seem to be much method to the to the madness that's happening in the, in the outfield situation right now. And so I'd be steering clear. I mean, he's got a striking strikeout rate that's close to 30% for the second consecutive year. Um, he isn't hitting for much power, six home runs and nearly 300 plate appearances, a little bit of speed with those six stolen bases in, in 300 plate appearances, but not enough uh, in the rest of the profile uh, to use him, you know, maybe in a daily league where he's got some good matchups uh, for speed, but, you know, m- not in weekly leagues for sure. I just think it's so unreliable. You know, last year, I think a lot of people were off of Bader. They saw kind of through the luck that he had last year, a 359 Babbitt. That's down to 258 this year. Uh, that reflects both a dramatic increase in his fly ball rate. It's up uh, a bunch. And then just natural regression, I think, from where he was before. He's been a little bit unlucky, but when you look at the season overall numbers, 307 expected Woba a 215 expected batting average. It's just not a, not good enough to roster, especially with, uh, with questions around playing time. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at there. Like the, the profile always seems fun and exciting to have a game here and there where you're just like, Oh man, okay, there it is. And then it just it disappears again. And, and in the crowded situation, eventually Jose Martinez comes back and really makes things muddled out there. And you never know Tyler O'Neill could come back. Mm-hmm. So it'll yeah. get real interesting there in St. Louis. Um, let's go. I don't have any new info on Carlos Correa, but we already had this on the outline, just his back problems in general. He is day to day. They called up Jack Mayfield again from the minors. And, you know, this guy in the minors, 25 homers this year, 16 last year, 20 the year before minimal speed, gets you five plus steals, not a ton. Okay. Average in his first go round with the big club. Didn't do much of anything. He went one for four tonight with a double and a run scored. Any uh, any desire for a guy like Jack Mayfield, especially now that Correa's on the IEL, we might see more Mayfield unless the whole 
Kyle Tucker thing comes to be. Um, not really uh, for Mayfield. Um, he, he just he hasn't shown much in the opportunities that he's been given so far. And I think that the I think this is a short term uh, fix. I think this is they weren't sure whether Correa was going to go to the IL, so they called up Mayfield to kind of plug uh, a little bit of a hole. I'm not sure if Miles Straw is up or not. I mean, that would be one option that they could turn to. And they went. They stuck with Straw for a little bit longer than they did with Mayfield. So uh, maybe that's an option that they could explore. And that could be interesting if Straw gets regular playing time for the stolen bases. But Mayfield really hasn't shown anything outside of an elevated contact rate uh, so far during his uh, major league uh, career. He, again, very small sample size, but he doesn't necessarily have that pedigree and so I'm not really interested in him. I mean, in AL only leagues, I'm sure you're kind of grasping at straws at this point. But outside of that, um, not really interested. Yeah, I'm with you there. Another move I just wanted to bring up because it was talked about a lot. Uh, Billy Hamilton gets picked up by the Braves. Uh, when it happened, I basically said he'll be the David Roberts for these guys. Where My idea is he's a late-inning defensive replacement, a late-inning pinch runner, go steal some bags, use your speed. I don't see him making a big impact same time. NCRT's on the IL. Do you see any need for a guy like Billy Hampton? Because for me, it's going to be so inconsistent. I can't roster that. Uh, yes and no, I think. I think no for right now. I mean, the Braves have been pretty clear that he is going to be a late-inning defensive replacement and or pinch runner, and that that's going to be where he gets the bulk of his playing time. And I think, you know, in the vast majority of leagues, there really is no value to having that because – Let's say he pinch runs like, you know, three games uh, a, a week. You know, how many of the time is he actually going to attempt a stolen base in that particular instance? And then he's giving you zeros across the board. The one place where I do think that he could have value, and this is, again, like one of the things you need to be thinking about as we get to the final weeks here, is let's say the Braves are in a comfortable spot in the playoff race. You know, they've either clinched or it's looking pretty good. They want to give get, get more of a rotation going in their outfield to rest folks. Uh, it would be really interesting if Hamilton, you know, let's say he gets a stretch of, you know, for the last two weeks he's playing, you know, four games a week. That could be really interesting um, if you're in desperate need of stolen bases and you can kind of handle at that point in the season, giving up a little bit in terms of counting stats. The AL East is by far the best place to run. The Mets are the worst. Uh, the Nationals are terrible. And then the Braves, I think, are second worst. And so you've got a bunch of teams that you can steal on. Um, I'm not sure who the Braves play that last week of the season, but you know, I do think that there could be some value there if he finds himself just in some, uh, you know, in a rotation to keep guys fresh. And so I definitely monitor that situation because with the way that stolen bases are right now, you know, four or five stolen bases those last couple weeks, which Hamilton is certainly capable of pulling off, um, that could make the difference between winning and losing your league. So keep an eye on him. If you have the ability to stash him, maybe stash him and see if he finds himself into more playing time um, or, uh, you know, maybe pick him up if he's if the Braves are going up against him. Uh, against some of the teams that I mentioned who are really weak uh, uh, running. He's got more value in daily leagues. But definitely keep an eye on him towards the end of the season when he might find himself in a little bit more playing time. Yeah, I could see the uh, the stash ability for 
praying for saves if you want to really play the category game. I, I could see that upside. It's just a, a massive crapshoot. But if you need it and you can gamble on it, probably not going to be too many better guys. There will be a few pro- guys getting called up that are going to run, but he's probably got the best ability to steal those bags. So definitely something to keep in mind there. The Oakland A's, they made a splash. They're calling up the guy, one of the guys. A.J. Puck is getting the call up. Uh, he had Tommy John surgery in 2018, rehabbed it this year. Wasn't as dominating ERA-wise. Again, bouncy ball. Strikeout stuff was elite. It was back for sure this year. 38 Ks and a little over 25 innings pitched. Uh, reports are, though, he'll be out of the bullpen, so it's going to be tough to enjoy him. Uh, Sean Manaya is coming back shortly. Jesus Lazardo should be back as well in September. Uh, any hot takes on these young guns from Oakland? Ah, not many hot takes. I mean, I think for Puck, I'm staying away. Like you mentioned, he's in the bullpen. He's also had a pretty major home run problem in his uh, abbreviated minor league season. He's been at more than two home runs uh, per nine at every stop this season. Again, you know, he's only been pitching for a little bit. Uh, as a result, he's got a nice whip and K's per nine, but he's got a terrible ERA. I don't necessarily see that changing too drastically as he faces major league hitting. So it's not like uh, he doesn't strike me as a guy who's going to come up and absolutely dominate. Um, again, I may be proven wrong, but I just think there's too many question marks to even see him as kind of um, a, an option, even in 15 team leagues. Uh, Manaya, we talked about him a couple weeks back. I think I'm just not really interested. The velocity is down. I think he's been like 87 to 90 in most of his minor league starts. He's actually pitched okay, but it's against minor league hitting. And he's never really been that good since his rookie year. Uh, from a strikeout perspective, he's really relied on some good batted ball luck um, to carry him. So I'm not really interested there. And then with Lazardo, he's obviously had to overcome a couple injuries in the three um, starts he's had since returning from the DL. He's gone a max of three and a third innings pitched. And so that may just be to limit the overall innings. Um, you know, I'm not sure whether they would have him come up and be a starter or maybe he'd follow an opener. I'm not exactly sure what they would do. So there could be some value there, um, for sure. I just wouldn't be expecting any type of high volume output from him, uh, when he does come up to the majors. Yeah, no, it's tough to, uh, to put all that together, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see too much to like there for a fantasy perspective with that group of guys. Uh, next year, though, it'll be fun to see where that all plays out because I know I drafted Lazardo late. I think I had him in Barf, but we drafted early in Barf before the bad happened. Mm. But uh, I, I know there was a lot to like there with some of these young guns, so we'll see how that plays out this upcoming season. Let's go to the Colorado Rockies. Scott Oberg is out for the year, has a blood clot in his arm. It's a terrifying thing to think about. Um, and the closer situation, you know, Wade Davis has been horrible. Jake McGee, not good. Carlos Estevez has been pretty decent. Um, roster resource yet again has all three of them listed as the closer for me I'm giving it to Estevez how are you breaking down this Colorado situation you know I dove into the skills a little bit and I was surprised I I have not been tracking the situation super closely just because you know like the way Davis experience I think has jaded me this year and just especially looking at just the home road splits for him he's been a Wade Davis has been a dominant pitcher on the road at least for much of the season and was just so bad in cores. And that's just, it's just so hard if like in a weekly league, if you have to start a guy, you know, for a, for a full week and the only time you really feel comfortable starting them is when they're the whole week on the road, that's challenging. 
But Jairo Diaz, actually the skills for him have been really, really nice recently. Uh, 38.1% CSW since August 1st, which is uh, very elite. Uh, league average is like 28.6%. Uh, and then a 30, 30.1% of his pitches have gone for balls. That's well below league average. I'm actually not sure I've seen many uh, gaps of 18% between uh, called and swinging strikes versus pitches that are balls. So that's really good. A 20.6% swinging strike rate in his last 10 outings with solid control metrics, like right around league average, if not slightly better than league average. And then he's got the knockout pitch, which is something I look for in closers too. 25.7% swinging strike rate on his slider. So those are all absolutely incredible numbers over the last little bit. So from just like a hot hand perspective and a skills perspective, I'd lean uh, Diaz for sure. Estevez, on the other hand, has really, um, at least from a skills perspective, struggled recently. His skills were great earlier in the year, but they've really uh, declined recently. Only a 25.2% CSW uh, over that same time period as Diaz. So that's well below league average. And then 36.1% of his pitches are balls, which is right around league average. So essentially like, you know, kind of bad and bad uh, when it comes to uh, the overall uh, performance of his pitches. Um, his skills have also been fading. The swinging strike rate and the Z contact rate are still fine, but they're much worse than they were uh, earlier on in the season in the last 10 games. The control metrics are only okay. And then when you look at his arsenal, he doesn't really have a dominant pitch. Um, I want to say his changeup has the highest swinging strike rate of any of his pitches, and it's right around 15%. So I think for all of those reasons, I would lean Diaz, but I am under no, um, uh, I don't think that they're going to lean on just one guy. I don't think it's going to be a scenario where they necessarily um, do that. And so I would lean Diaz. That would be the guy that I would be targeting. Um, but, you know, again, it's not a, a save situation that I'm particularly interested in. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. It's the Rockies. Do we want a piece of the Rockies pitching? That's the question you really got to ask yourself. So, um, yeah, that's the tough one. It could be worse. You could have been sliding into third base like Cody Bellinger and have your belt break and your pants fall down. So I know. It, well, it, it could be worse. I'm 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 very surprised that uh, there weren't some people jumping out of the stands like there were earlier on in the season. Um, yeah. To uh, to go after Bellinger. Yeah, that's going to be a fun gift going around yeah. here pretty soon. Oh, yeah, That'll be a sure. good one. Uh, Joey Votto. Everyone loves Joey Votto. What's not to love about Joey Votto? Um, he goes on the IL with a lower back strain. For me, if I'm the Reds and you can convince Votto, which might be the hardest part, it's like, okay, Votto, why don't you rest? It's been a rough year. We'll bring it back next year. Let the kids play. We'll see how that plays out. But for now, they call up um, Brian O'Grady from the minors, hit 27 homers, stole 17 bags, hit 273 with a 904 OPS in AAA this year. Uh, some, some good things to look at there. In the past, you know, 21 homers in the minors last year. Uh, had a down season due to injury, I think, in 17. But, you know, he's always stolen some bags. He's shown some good pop, decent average throughout all levels of the minors. For me, this seems like we talked about a handful of guys here that could be some interesting gamble prospects. This guy playing in Great American Small Park in a, a up-and-down NL Central has a little bit more appeal to me than the others. But it could just be grasping the straws. Uh, what's your thoughts on the Votto deal and then O'Grady coming up? Um, uh, for the Vado, for Vado, yeah, it's just been a disappointing season. I think you can drop him in the vast majority of leagues. I mean, it, it, you know, even in 15 team leagues, 
at this point, Votto is kind of a league average hitter. And so I think you're actually in probably better shape streaming somebody against a good hitting matchup than you are sticking with Votto, especially if you need power or stolen bases. Even batting average, he hasn't been great. He's just been pretty mediocre. Um, you know, I have not actually looked. Uh, I haven't given much uh, much of a look uh, at O'Grady. He went 0 for 3 today. He's batting 111. That's about the extent of uh, the knowledge that I that I have about uh, uh, that I do have about O'Grady. But you know, for for Votto, one thing that sticks out uh, to me about preseason analysis, I remember Rob Silver kind of raising you know the issue of just the terrible history that older first basemen have. Um, in terms of being able to respond and get better and just be good. Uh, and so, you know, for Votto moving forward, I don't hold much hope that we're going to see uh, much better days for him. Like the quality of contact that he makes is just down um, so much. And other players are capable of so much more now with the ball being his. Um, I'm not that interested. So I wish I had more on Grady for you. Uh, I don't, uh, except for that you know, sterling analysis about him batting 111 and being 0 for 3 so far. It's all good. It might mean nothing to begin with because he might just, you know, be another guy. So we'll we'll wait and see on O'Grady. I know he started uh, today and he'll probably get some starts here going forward. So keep an eye on him. Maybe he's the next punisher. Maybe he's nothing. We shall wait and see. A uh, couple more things here. Julio Urias suspended 20 games. He had that domestic violence deal before. The punishment finally came down, so he's pretty much gone for a while. Um, a couple things with the Dodgers, though. Dodgers doing Dodger things just to make me angry. <laughs> they send Dustin May to the bullpen. Ginger Guard has been so much fun to watch. He's been very, very good. And out of the bullpen is not what I want to see. So that's happening right now. And then Tony Gonsolin. This is the part I don't like, unless it's an innings thing, which it probably is. But Gonsolin's going to be coming in and entering the rotation He's made four, uh, three starts for the Dodgers. He's an ERA of three, uh, giving up six earned in 18 innings pitch with 15 Ks over those 18 innings. So he's been good. He's not been complete garbage. I'll, I'll give him that much. He's been kind of a roller coaster ride in the minors for him. But uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty mad about Dustin May. You got anything on May or Gonsolin? Yeah, I mean, I think um, uh, definitely disappointing for a lot of folks. I know recently people have invested – uh, quite a bit of fab probably in picking up May, especially after that. Uh, and he showed so much uh, hope uh, in that second start of the season that he had. His third one was not um, as good. From May perspective, you know, he has, he's been okay. He hasn't necessarily been great, you know, outside of that one start. 28.7% CSW um, for the season, 32.1% of his pitches our balls, I think that encapsulates kind of how he's been so far. He's about league average when it comes to strikeouts, and then he is better than league average on control metrics. From the strikeout metrics, the other one's 9.7% swinging strike rate. That's low, 83.5% Z contact. That's solid, but overall a 19% uh, K rate. Um, and then the good control metrics, his walk rate is um, under 4%. He's got a 15.2% K minus walk rate. I think that's a pretty good encapsulation of him as like a, a league average or slightly better um, pitcher. Gonsolin is actually really interesting um, for me. Uh, he faces the Yankees this week, which obviously uh, limits a little bit of his, um, uh, you know, it limits his, his value for this week. But if he's able to come out a Saturday without getting blown up and sent down to the minors or back to the bullpen, 
If he stays in the rotation, he could be really interesting. He's got um, next week, he would be at Arizona. And then uh, the following week, he would be at home to the Rockies. And having the Rockies on the road is always really nice. So those are two decent matchups, especially if you're if you're hunting for some wins. And then he has a potential two-step in a couple weeks at Baltimore and at the New York Mets. And so those are two um, intriguing matchups. So he'd be a guy that I don't think he was picked up in a lot of fab because he was going up against the Yankees this week. He would be a guy in deeper leagues, like 15 teams, uh, where I might be looking at him in the upcoming waiver wire just because the at Arizona isn't, isn't terrible. And from a skills perspective, he's been okay. Uh, 12.2% swinging strike rate, 83.3% Z contact. Um, uh, the control metrics are okay. 61.6% first pitch strike, 33% O swing, uh, about 40% in the zone. A little bit of control issues. The one entry, the one major intriguing thing for me too, two pitches that are above 20% swinging strike rate, his splitter and his slider. And he's got a 274 expected Woba. That's not predictive, but it just shows that he has been a quality pitcher so far. I think all of that combined with the fact he's on, you know, the Dodgers uh, makes him an intriguing guy to pick up in the upcoming uh, run of fab, especially if he just sticks in the rotation for the next few weeks, that could be uh, four really nice starts um, in the next three weeks that you could get from Gonsolin. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think it'll be interesting. I know he got picked up in a few leagues. Side note, Boba Shett just took Kershaw deep for the second time this evening. The second time. And guess who has Boba Shett? That a boy. That's yeah. like this kid's freaking amazing. And again, Dude, he's team, really team just he's kept really good. Like it oh, that's a good celebration. They just threw your son. So that's good. Okay. But sorry. I just enjoy watching baseball. Um, yeah. but but yeah, Gonsolin is uh he's interesting. I, I did see him get picked up in a few places this last week, kind of people speculating because that's the name of the game. With such little fab, you almost gotta just take these gambles early. Uh they uh, besides no injury list on or no injury list spots in NFBC formats, you have to have at least a dollar per bid. There's no zero dollar bid. So you got to really make sure you're spending wisely right about now because you're about to get stuck with some guys. But um, let's talk about some players that have, you know, I kind of went off guys that are having good August. It could be tons of different ways to break it all down, whatever appeals to you, Toby. But a couple names that, that stood out to me, Wilmer Flores, he's had a really good last five games, four of his last five games. Double, di- double hit games in all of them. He has four homers in his last five. He's still having a pretty good month of August overall, but the last five games really are the standout games. On the month of August, hitting 457 uh, with a, a 547 Woba. He's striking out less than 11% of the time. That really stood out to me. So he's putting the ball in play. A 444 bad, it's probably not sustainable. But when you're continually putting the ball in play and not striking out, good things tend to happen. Um, people were really high on Flores entering draft season. He's been a massive disappointment. But maybe does this give you hope that we could have a little run down the stretch here and uh, you get some fantasy viability out of Wilmer Flores? Yeah, I mean, I think Flores, like you mentioned, that that low K rate, uh, the high contact rate, he puts the ball in play a lot, and he's got he's always had a really nice um, batted ball mix, low ground ball rate, um, hits the ball in the air, not really that hard, but he you know again is somebody who could benefit from the happy fun ball. Um, the playing time, I think, is the key for Flores and his value. You know, since he returned from the DL, he's really only been starting three out of every five games or so. And so I think with that, if you're playing in a weekly league, that limits a little bit of his value. 
Um, if you're playing in a daily league, he's definitely a guy that you can swap in there, at least in, de- in deeper leagues. 583 Woba over the la- uh, since August 1st, a 432, um, or actually in the last two weeks, a 432 expected Woba. So he is hitting the ball really well, like you mentioned, those four home runs. Um, but I don't think there's nothing in the underlying profile that points to any major changes that he's made. Uh, I just think, like you mentioned, his batted ball profile and the plate skills lend themselves to to nice little runs because he does put the ball in play so much. So if that Babbitt gets up, um, he can do some really nice damage. So he he's all right in deeper leagues. You know, maybe you want to roster him and see if uh, you know if you can catch uh, catch you know three out of four games in the first half of the week or a weekend, um, whatever it is. I'm not chasing too much because of those playing time questions I have, but um, you know, he's certainly an interesting, an interesting guy down the stretch, especially if he gets more playing time. Just for fun. Cause I got to bring it up again after another week, since we've talked about him, would you rather have Kyle Seeger or Wilmer Flores? Oh God. Bringing up Kyle Seeger. It's like Kyle Seeger listened to the podcast and was like, Oh, you don't, you don't think what I'm doing is for real? Well, guess what? I'm going to absolutely destroy. Um, I would say Kyle <laughs> Seeger just because Seeger is, I mean, again, like at this point in the season, like a lot of it is a category game, but Flores isn't providing speed really. I think Seeger gets everyday playing time. So the home runs, the power is obviously more, I think. Uh, I think from a just counting stats perspective, he's probably going to, I'd probably count on him. Flores, I'd see as a batting average, a higher batting average guy, but the overall package, I'd, I'd go, I'd go Seager. I'm not going to be super stubborn and um, hold on to my uh, Kyle Seager can't do anything well anymore. It's the world of baseball we live in. We got to, right. got to take the ups and the downs. And right now, he's on a heater. It could end tomorrow, but right now, he went deep again today. So yeah, yeah, he just he just keeps doing it. So you never know. And the but, Mariners uh, are like hitting. I feel like I'm, maybe I'm making feisty. that up, but like, no, they're feisty man. right now. It's kind of like the start of the season with them. Like they, they're doing the catchers thing where it's Murphy versus lefties and Navarro's versus righties. And Murphy is just destroying left-handed pitching right now. Mm. Navarro's is doing his thing. Um, I think I can't remember who someone tweeted it out. If you combine the war for like Navarro's and Murphy, they're better than I think any single top catcher in baseball or something. It's, it's pretty crazy what they're doing. Right wow. Now. Well, and then you have, um, uh, I can never remember what his first name is because I always want to say Aaron, but Nola, who's like yeah. hitting three twelve, you know, Austin yeah, Nola. Austin Nola. Uh, yeah. I picked him we up. Talked in about him a few weeks ago, actually. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he's he's got a really nice OBP too. He's showing some patience, uh, hitting for contact. Um, so yeah, they're just they're just doing things and they're beating like playoff. Playoffs. And then, and then, and then right. next September we'll see Jared Clinic. So just everyone get ready. Oh man, see, let's. I mean, the the Mariners and Giants. Like fast yeah. forward four years. I mean, obviously the Rays are going to be great in four years too. But man, Jared Clinic's going to be super good. Julio Rodriguez is the yeah. only other eighteen year old outside of Wander Franco who's in high A now, and he hit a grand slam in his first at bat. They're pitching, you know, Sarah's had an article just about their pitching development. They've got some really, some pitchers that are doing really, really well this year. I love what they're doing from like a development standpoint. And so, um, you know, I have been a detractor of DePoto just because I feel like he makes these trades and I don't really see uh, a real purpose to it. But from like a develop player development standpoint in the minors, I think, you know, they're doing some really good things. 
Yeah, you mentioned the Giants. I'll put my Homer hat on for a couple seconds. Um, I was bummed when Bart and Healy and Ramos all got promoted at the same time out of San Jose. But at the same time, now I'm kind of happy because in Salem-Kaiser, which is about a stop away or two stops away from San Jose, they have three of the top six prospects in Bishop um, and a couple other, uh, like the top international signings last year. I totally blanked on them, but some absolute studs down there. So, yeah, future's bright for once. For once, the Giants have prospects, and they're not just pitching prospects. I don't know what to do with myself. It's, uh, it's pretty pretty awesome. But uh, let's talk about another catcher because catchers are just doing everything right now. But Francisco Mejia wants the top catching prospect in baseball, lost favor in Cleveland, gets flipped for bad hand to San Diego, really never got it going, got back to the minors this year. But now he's come back up I and mean, he's getting regular playing time. Like, he is their catcher one. He has started all but three games in the month of August. And he's hitting 444 with a 496 Woba, a surprising 15% K rate for me. I like, guess really good for a young player. 486 Babbitt's a little questionable, but six extra base hits. He's even thrown a stolen base in there. This kid looks like he's finally figuring it out, Toby. I, I think there's a lot to like with him. He might not even be available, but what's your thoughts on Mejia? Yeah, Mejia, uh, he's definitely been getting better. I think uh, part of that is an increase in contact over the last 30 games. He's at 85% in the zone, 79% contact overall. The overall contact rate is higher than league average by about 3%, um, which is really nice. And that's where he's been kind of throughout his minor league career. He's never been a high strikeout guy like he was early in his major league career. And and the K percentage is down to 18.2% over his last 30 games, which is really, really nice. He has been getting a little lucky, you know, 497 Woba and a 359 expected Woba over the last two weeks. Uh, but he's seeing the ball hard, 37%. He does chase a ton of pitches outside the zone at 45% O-swing. But one thing uh, I think is key for him, at least in batting average leagues, like in your standard fantasy leagues, is he's the type of guy that falls into the kind of like Javi Baez, Avisail Garcia, Danny Santana mold, just hyper-aggressive at the plate, goes up swinging, trying to make contact, not trying to draw a walk. But as a result, the strikeout rate is much lower than you would otherwise think if you just looked at, you know, like his swinging strike rate, for instance. And so I think that's that's one thing to really like about Mejia is if you don't have to worry about him getting on on base in your league, if you don't have to worry about OBP, obviously that impacts runs, but he's going to get up there and hit the ball. You know, the quality of contact hasn't been great. He's at 37% hard hit rate over those last... um, uh, 30 games, you know, his, uh, his barrel rate this year is only at 4% per plate appearance, only eight barrels so far. The max exit below isn't, you know, 109.6 is okay, but it's not, you know, uh, super high up there. So that's all to say, you know, I think the ballad ball quality is fine. It's not great, but he makes a lot of contact. And again, when you make a lot of contact, you put a lot of balls in play. If you can have that elevated Babbitt, you can go on some really hot streaks. And I think that's what we're seeing from Mejia. I think the great thing is that, you know, he's starting to become more of the prospect. I think folks thought he could be that really good hitter who makes a lot of contact, um, you know, and, and the future the future could is looking a lot brighter now than it was earlier in the season for him. Yeah, if he can finally turn into that guy, because the hitting tool is never really the issue is, the defensive metrics at short uh, catcher. That's why they tried moving him to third and other places. San Diego's sticking him at catcher because they have so many pieces everywhere else. He has to catch. There's no choice. 
Um, so if he starts figuring it out, that's great because, you know, Tatis will be back next year. You got Urias, who hopefully, hopefully gets it going in the bigs. He just can't seem to really get it clicking. He's been better of late. But, you know, you got that outfield with Margot and Renfro and then all these pro- – Naylor – all these prospects that are coming up to fill out the rest of their, they're going to, they're going to have a depth on their bench of just talented players. So um, it's going to be scary, scary in San Diego here real quick. Um, San Francisco giants, Kevin Pillar, he has been scorching hot in the month of August. He's gone hit this only three games the entire month. He went deep again tonight in Wrigley gives him five home runs for the month of March. He's hitting over 420, a Woba around 500. He is destroying everything. Probably not sustainable, but I still think he's a much better player than people give him credit for. I think he's still fantasy viable. I've actually had him in some deep leagues a lot this year um, as a fifth outfielder. What's your takes on Kevin Pillar? Because if you want to tell me I'm absolutely crazy, that's fine. But I've been actually pretty happy with what he gets. And, and you know, if you just look at his overall numbers year in and year out, he oh, hits, yeah. you know, 15-plus homers and 15-plus steals almost every year and doesn't kill you an average. And people like clown on him left and right. That's why I would take him late in drafts. What's your take on Pillar? Yeah, no, I think your your analysis is spot on. Like, if you look at his numbers right now, the dude has 17 home runs, or maybe 18, I think, after today. He's got 10 stolen bases. He's got high 60s in both runs and RBI. And the batting average is around league average. So you're talking about a guy who's probably going to go 80, 20, uh, 80, 12. And you were drafting him, you know, in the late 200s, (laughs) early 300s. Yeah, I have him in a bunch of leagues. I was super pissed off because I didn't start him. Uh, He was at Arizona. And I generally try to stream him mostly for – not stream him, but like I I have him in there for steals. I need stolen bases in a couple leagues pretty badly. And so Arizona has a a, a couple tough catchers when it comes against – uh, for the runs. And so of course he goes, you know, he hits two jacks in the first game and then goes five for five in the second game when I've got him on my bench. But I think Pilar is another one of these guys who super aggressive at the plate, you know, one of the worst O swings in the league, 46% over his last 30 games, but he makes a ton of contact 94 in the zone, 84 overall. Those are both elite numbers. That's the last 30 games, but that's kind of the story with Pilar um, has a super low K rate, super low walk rate. So he's putting the ball in play a lot. Ground ball rate is right around league average at 42% over his last 30 games. The hard hit rate is up at 44%. He was a guy who last year towards the end of the season, he also got hot on the Blue Jays and he was getting a bunch of barrels. And so that was one of the reasons why I was kind of intrigued on him coming into this year is just I saw a little bit more power upside. And obviously like he has more power upside than I think we were expecting heading into the year. But a lot, you know, it's hard to say, like, how much is that is actually, like, him getting better versus uh, just the, the ball uh, change. But over the last two weeks, 553 Woba, a 405 is expected Woba. The 405 is still really good. Um, and so I think Pilar's a guy. He's, he's against the Cubs in the next three games. They do not have very good defensive catchers when it comes to limiting stolen bases. So my hope is he's hitting some homers and stealing some bases and, Ride him while he's hot. He can get really, really low um, as well. He had a couple low points earlier in the season, but um, with the Giants, he's been he's been really nice. So um, I've been I've been I've been pleased, and I think he's a guy in fifteen team leagues that you're definitely rolling out there pretty much every single week, and even in twelve team leagues, if you're looking for some stolen bases down the stretch, you can play the matchups um, and a little little power speed combo that doesn't hurt you in batting average. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm a big Pilar fan. I'll probably be on him again this next draft season because no one seems to like this guy. But it's what he does time and time again. And he's another guy that's a lot younger than I think people think. So 
uh, something else to keep in mind there. I'll ask you right now, I had Chris Archer on this list because he's actually been decent in the month of August. But now that he's hurt, do you even want to discuss Chris Archer? Do I even want to? I never want to discuss Chris Archer. Okay, then we can move um, on. If I'm, if I'm, being, <laughs> if I'm being honest, uh, Bubba, I've, you know, uh, Archer, I've been off of him for three years now. I think it's just one of these situations where he will have good runs because he gets a ton of Ks. You know, like he makes guys swing and miss. He doesn't walk a ton of guys, but he just doesn't have that third pitch. And you see it time and time again, like with Michael Pineda, like they can go on runs where they look really good and then they can destroy it in one or two starts. And so, you know, for me, I just kind of steer clear from Archer. Obviously, if you can get him really, really late in drafts, he's worth a little bit of a flyer and maybe like a matchup play. But, you know, everything, you know, he's been, he's pitched in good parks throughout his career and he just can't do anything. So, it's a bummer that he's injured. He seems like a really good guy um, just from like a human being perspective, but um, you know, not, not really interested. Uh, let's go to Ryan Yarborough, who's been putting together quite the month of August. He's put another really good year after doing it all over again last year. But the cool part is he's not being used with an opener of late, almost with complete game shutout in Seattle, six and a third shutout innings against Detroit, eight or more K's in two straight. A couple starts before that against Toronto, pitched very, very well. You know, in the month of August, 0.46 ERA, 2.4 XFIP. He's striking everybody out. He's looked really, really, really good right now. What's your thoughts on Ryan Yarborough the rest of the way? Yeah, I mean, I like I like Yarborough. I think he's going through kind of a career best stretch here, both in terms of how he's pitching and the outcomes that he's getting as well. Um, so, you know, for instance, like over the last – uh, since August 1st, he's got a 38% CSW, which is very, very elite. That is actually number one among all starting pitchers over that period of time. That just tells you how good it is. And over the same period of time, he's got a 26.9% um, uh, of his pitches have been balls, which is way below league average. And I think that is one of the major changes that he's made is, you know, he used to be a guy who would walk a lot of folks. And he's, his first pitch strike rate is going through the roof. Um, it's, a, it's above 70%, I think, over his last five starts. Um, his zone percentage, he's throwing the ball in the zone um, a ton more. So he's getting ahead, getting ahead of hitters. He's throwing the ball in the zone. He's getting folks to chase um, a ton as well. And so I think all of those are really key. Um, all of those are really key pieces, right? Like he's been very, very good. The one thing that I'm hesitant on for him is he has been very lucky when it comes to outcomes. So, um, you know, since August 1st, uh, he has a, a 177 WOBA, which is nuts. Um, but he's got a 235 um, uh, expected WOBA, which is still really, really good. But it just shows you that he has been fairly fortunate. And then where he's really thrived is in the last three games. The last three games, his swinging strike rate is close to 15%. The CSW is off the charts. If you look at who he faced over those three games, it's Detroit, Seattle, and Toronto. Now, obviously, being able to do what he's done against any team um, is really, really good. But when you look at even his uh, his five-game rolling average on a lot of his skills, you know, over the last five games, the swinging strike rate is still only 10.5%. Uh, the O swing is at 36%, which is really nice. The first pitch strike rate is at 72%. 
but the end zone contact is worse than league average. So the last three starts have been really, really good um, for him uh, against very bad opponents. Um, the one change that I've noticed in his pitch mix that seems to have made a positive impact is he's been throwing a cutter a lot more. Um, and so the cutter, just looking at it, it doesn't perform uh, actually that even better than his uh, in than his four seam on a lot of the underlying metrics. Uh, but from a you know his four seam fastball is a one forty eight wrc plus and his cutter has a forty five wrc plus and so it's been a lot better pitcher from a results perspective although i don't see a huge difference necessarily um in uh in a lot of the um, underlying metrics so there may be some significant amount of regression that's coming there anyways that's way too deep on ryan yarborough but yarborough i think he's good he's a better pitcher because he's not walking guys but i think he's also due a significant amount of regression coming up here that doesn't make him uh, an unappealing option if he's still available in your leagues. I'd still go after him. Righty then. Uh, one last guy here. You got Nick Ahmed, who is crushing it in August, hitting 333, 460, Woba, uh, 17% K rate. He's got his seventh home run tonight. He's been mashing left handed pitchers all season long. He is just underappreciated and not talked about enough how good he is playing the season. What do you got on Nick Ahmed? And he's a gold glover, Baba. It's unbelievable. Yes, yes, he is. He's a stud. The thing, yeah, the thing that really pisses me off about Ahmed, and this is not his fault, is that he's 29. I didn't realize he was so old. Like, I mean, not that 29 is ancient or anything baseball like that. Old. But baseball like, old. Yeah, he's baseball relatively old. And so, you know, it's like he's, he, um, he's just a, he's a guy, like if you look at the underlying plate skills, like they're, they've just been awesome for a while now. And especially like, Second half of the season, I mean, his K rate is lower than his walk rate. And where he's seen that improvement, like you mentioned, is, is in the batted ball quality. He, over, uh, over the last 30 games, his, um, uh, in 118 plate appearances, this was as of, I think, yesterday or two days ago, he had a 9.3% barrels per plate appearance, which is super high. Like if you look at the overall season, like other guys with 9.3%, uh, George Springer, uh, Freddie Freeman, Ronald Acuna, Marcelo Zuna, Jose Abreu. Like those are the types of guys. He's making the same type of quality of contact on a regular basis, again, over a small sample size, but at the same level. And not against like the worst pitching in the world either. He's hitting for a, for a good batting average, I think 287 over that span. He's hitting for power, like uh, he's stealing some bases. I mean, he's probably going to end the season as a 2010 guy. And from an OBP perspective, God, I don't have it in front of me, but I think his OBP is like close to four, like 420 it, it over that four, same period of time. It, it's 406 in the month of August. I got that for you. 406 in the month of August. Um, I mean, the guy just seems like he's been able to turn it around. And a lot of it is probably the ball, right? But this is the type of guy you need to be looking uh, looking at. Um, and so he's a guy that I think is owned in all 15 team leagues by this, uh, point in time, but, um, you know, in some 12 team leagues, I think he can definitely help you down the stretch. Somebody had a tweet out there. I wish I had it. Um, yeah, he used to mash lefties and he's been hitting righties really well recently as well. Again, very small sample size, but, um, you know, uh, he's a guy that I'm kind of in love with. Um, I'm kind of in love with Nick Ahmed, uh, right mm -hmm. now. 
There's yeah. a soundbite. Yeah. I mean, uh, let's see. He's got a 299 average in the second half. Where's that OPP, that OBP in the second half? Give it to me. Uh, 387 OBP in the second half, 13.1% walk rate, 12.4% K rate, a 934 OPS, a 295 BABIP. It's not BABIP related at all. A 137 WRC plus. I mean, like everything. That's what I love is like these guys who have this foundation of, you know, really good plate skills. Like they make a lot of contact. He's done that for a while now. They've got a pretty good eye for the zone. So they've got that foundation, and the only thing they need to do is improve their contact uh, quality. And once you start to see that happening, those are the guys that I really like to jump on, especially in like keeper dynasty leagues, um, because that foundation, generally speaking, doesn't change. Uh, But what can is the quality of contact, and having that foundation makes it much more likely that they're they're going to be able to put it together because they're swinging at better pitches, they're making contact. They've got good hand-eye coordination. Anyways, there's my Nick Ahmed rant for you. Yeah, you are in love. I can tell. I am. <laughs> I am. I've been monitoring him for a while. My first tweet on him was on June 20th, where I was kind of like, he's always intrigued me because he's put it together like this for a few times. And this is the first time that he's really had that super strong batted ball quality to go along with it. Yeah, I've been a fan of his because of DFS. He was always so cheap and very productive. But since this hot run he's been on, he is not cheap anymore, and everyone knows who he is. So <laughs> the, the fun of Nick Omet is slowly started disappearing in that respect. But in season long, it's very, very much a real thing. Let's talk about some fab. Uh, it's it's not as a, as fun and adventurous as it once was with all these flashy names. It's more, you know, filling stuff here, guys we've talked about, two-star guys. So I'm not going to go over all the guys that were picked up in mine. If you got some other guys – throw them out there, but the, the main acquisitions I saw um, in mind, Logan Webb, the young kid from the Giants, made his debut last week, pitched really well in the minors. He was a, a hard thrower, lots of strikeouts. They're supposed to give him some good run here down the stretch. Sean Anderson is going to hit rehab in AAA here this week, so he should get Webb should get a couple starts for sure, maybe some more, so I thought that was a pretty good pickup. Um, Greg Allen, He's been playing a lot versus right-handed pitching, uh, Mercado versus lefties. So it's kind of been a, a weird platoon there, but Allen's playing really well. So if it's a week where you see a lot of righties on the agenda or maybe they got a good four-game or a three-game stretch, depending on your NFBC, Greg Allen could be very, very usable down the stretch. And then last but not least, out of the main ones for me that we have not talked about already was uh, Josh Rojas, outfielder, infielder for the Arizona Diamondbacks prospect. They'll steal some bags. Uh, and make a little noise, but that's the big ones. We pretty much hit on most everybody else. Did you have any major uh, pickups in your leagues? Uh, No, I mean, I think Logan Webb was a guy that I wanted, um, uh, but I wasn't able to get him. I just didn't, I didn't bid enough for him. He had a really nice first start. um, 33% CSW right there. When you look at what he's been able to do so far this year um, in the minor leagues, uh, I mean, he started out, I mean, last year he was in double A, he pitched okay. Um, but, you know, in double A, 41 innings, 47 Ks, uh, 218 ERA, 128 whip. So he's been giving up pretty high BABIPs. But even in, you know, he only had one start in triple A, but he did well in that one. So I'm intrigued. Anytime you have a pitcher that pitches half of their games um, at Oracle, AT&T, Pac-Bell Park, <laughs> um, they... 
uh, are very intriguing to me. And I think uh, if I remember correctly, it was nice of Bochi to say like on Sunday that he was going to stick in the lineup. I think he has Oakland this week and then he's got San Diego. Uh, and then I think he has LA Dodgers. So uh, a little up and down uh, a bit for him in terms of the starts that he's going to have, but he's definitely an intriguing guy for me. Rojas is another guy that I went after. I think the closest I got for him, I think I bid five and somebody bid six um, that got him. He's a really intriguing guy. I actually owned him last year in uh, my 20 team dynasty league. Um, but I dropped him uh, because he didn't look like he was going to see the, the light of day anytime uh, soon, but his contact skills are better than league average so far. The O swing is right around league average. He's got some pop 47.1%. Um, hard hit rate. So he's not going to strike out a ton, going to walk a decent amount. He's already got a stolen base. Um, he's got some speed. So he is, um, he's a guy that I definitely like. And I think, I think the Diamondbacks are going to give him a really nice run here. I think they want to see what they have in here because I do think that he's a piece for the future. And as a number of folks have mentioned too, he's an Alex Chamberlain special. And so anytime Alex is high on a guy that's kind of obscure, you have to Think about Mike Talkman and, and other guys he's been high on, including Jose Ramirez, all the way back in the day, uh, and be interested in him. So definitely some interest um, in Rojas uh, right there. Uh, Greg Allen, I agree with you absolutely. Like he put a stretch together towards the end of last year where for like two weeks or a month, he just got really, really hot, stole a ton of bases. It's unfortunate that they're playing the Mets at New York because I didn't go after him hard because I was worried that he wasn't going to get the starts, he did end up getting the start today, but the Mets are the easiest team to steal against. And so he may be able in the next couple games to get himself uh, uh, one or two stolen bases, which would be really nice for fantasy owners. Um, he's a he's a decent addition there. Um, yeah, uh, of those three guys, that's kind of where um, I was at. Other guys that I targeted, uh, let me just really quickly hop over to my TGFBI to remind me. Uh, Colby Allard was one of them, which is kind of sad after what he did um, yeah, the other day. Didn't work out. I know the velocity increase had me. Uh, anytime I see a velocity increase, I'm kind of game. Oh, I went after Adam Plutko. He was available in a lot of leagues. He's not great, but he's got a nice two-step uh, next week. He has the Mets this week, but he has at Detroit and then at the Rays. And those are those are two good matchups as far as I'm concerned especially with Cleveland, the Rays have not been hitting um, that well. Um, and so uh, Plutko was a guy that I was after. He, if he's still available in your leagues, you may want to look at him as a two, um, uh, as an option uh, there. Uh, outside of that, like there wasn't too many interesting things. I'm just trying to stream. I have like in one of my most important leagues I had, Dakota Hudson, which went well. I had Michael Walker, which went well, although they took him out after four shutout innings. So he didn't get the win. It's probably Dylan for his Peters. own good, though. <laughs> oh, I know. But still, I wanted that win. I got gotcha. you. I wanted I gotcha. that win bad. Um, you know, so, yeah, those we've covered a lot of the guys. But um, at this point in time, like I'll say it every single podcast, but, like, if you're in Roto, it's all about the categories now. It's all about playing matchups. Don't be worried about releasing border, borderline guys like Joey Votto if you can stream a really good matchup, like, you know, I got John Birdie going in like virtually every single league this week at Atlanta and Philly because they're terrible teams at holding runners. And, you know, today he hit a home run. He didn't steal a base. Yeah. So just work those matchups, work those matchups, grind it out. You'd be surprised the amount of ground, especially like 
the last two weeks, you know, we forget every year, but you can make up a lot of ground in those last two weeks because guys will get injured, you know, and they won't go back into the lineup or that last week of the season after lineups have locked, you know, pitchers won't start. So there's a lot of opportunity still. Keep on, keep on grinding. Yeah. One other move I made for a dollar and it's mainly because there wasn't much else I was going to be able to get with the lack of money I have. So I was, I needed to get rid of Diego Castillo on my roster and I needed some pitching help. And again, when you're limited on what you can put out there, you got to be creative. So I went and grabbed Wilmer Font, who has mm. been opening every three or five days, depending on what Toronto's got in the store. But some weeks you're getting them twice a week, some just once. But he's going at least two innings, all but one. He's, he's made three, six, he's made nine appearances with the Jays. He's got at least two innings in all of them. He's given up no earned runs in five of them, only two earned runs in one. Um, two, four, five ERA, three, six, five X fifth, 24 Ks and 18 and a third, not killing your ratios, getting you a few strikeouts better than a nothing on my uh, roster. So that was just kind of one of the creative ones I put out there. He's been actually pretty good. Once a highly heralded pitching prospect, maybe this is kind of the, the niche for him right now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta go with who you can get. Um, a couple guys that um, jump are jumping out at me as I kind of look over here. Um, uh, Tim Lopes, uh, he is yeah, playing for the Mariners. A lot. Yeah, he could be stealing a lot of bases. He's a quick guy. Um, you know, again, like one of these guys that just shows up towards the end of the year and contribute. Josh Naylor, Will Myers is a, once again persona non grata with the Padres. What a frustrating season it's been to own him. But Josh Naylor has actually looked pretty good recently. Low K rate. Uh, I was looking yesterday. I think he has a 13.7% walk rate and a 13.7% K rate. And uh, the ninth. he did. He had, I think he has yep. four home runs in the last four days. Um, and he's got, you know, he doesn't have a ton of pedigree, but he always was a very good hitter um, in the minors. So he's one guy to look at. We mentioned Austin Nola uh, briefly uh, earlier. One guy that's going to be kind of intriguing, I didn't see if he was in the lineup today, but is Brett Phillips um, for the Royals. The Royals have a pretty good little run here. I, I want to say they play the Orioles for a four-game series coming up. He did they're play. Playing, they're I mean, playing him right now. He's going to crush um, He's going to crush your uh, your – your batting average, but yeah, they've got one more game against the Orioles than they have at Cleveland. So you're sitting him there, but then he's got four at Oakland. They're not good at holding runners. He's got a, he's got a nice stolen base uh, pedigree. He was very successful this year as well. Three against Baltimore, then three against Detroit, then three against Miami then three against the White Sox. So the Royals, you know, are not going to be a terrible team uh, to do a little streaming um, uh, against. And so yeah, I mean, um, uh, yeah, that that could be one option for steals because a lot of those teams are also not great um, at holding um, holding holding runners at all. Yeah, it'll be fun because you just mentioned a couple more guys. We probably talked about three or four. There's a good five or six guys that are going to get picked up this week that legit have a chance to give you five or more steals down the stretch, and five steals could help a ton. Oh, yeah, uh, the way absolutely. no one's the way no one steals these days, and if they get on a heater and somehow luck box into 10 steel. There's still six weeks left. Like if they're playing say five games a week, that's 30 ball games. That's one steal every three games. That's not like, it's crazy, but it's not an inconceivable uh, with some of these teams that have nothing to lose. Just let these kids run. So oh, it, 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 it could get pretty wild here. Uh, grabbing some of these guys for a dollar or $2 and, uh, 
and, and seeing what can happen playing the games like you've been talking about uh, with, with your Roto categories there. Uh, one last thing before we take off for the evening, the latest I've seen on uh, – well, Cray, we know, is the back, so it's just a back deal. But Aaron Sanchez left with a sore right pectoral, and that's why his velocity dipped. And mm-hmm. that's never good when it's a yeah. muscle, especially up there. I'd be – if I own him, I, I might wait another day for some more info. But right out the gate, if it's a muscle thing like that, he's pretty much done for me. So yeah, yeah, it's it's rough, and he's you know the narrative have fallen fallen apart pretty quickly that the Astros had fixed him after the last uh, two starts that he had. Uh, one thing, it's always dangerous, Bubba, to give me like a little bit more time to look at some things. Uh, <laughs> but you know, just thinking about two start weeks. Um, coming up uh, next week, uh, you know, Mike Montgomery is a guy we talked about last. My boy. Week. Yeah, who I was not big, big on necessarily, but he has pitched really well. He's continued that pitch mix change that, uh, that he we did. mentioned and folks the, have pointed the out. Reason, the reason why I kind of liked him is he did this in years past when they took him out of the bullpen and let him start. He just – something clicks with him. It's a, he Obviously, it makes sense. We see with a lot of guys, but he pitches differently in different scenarios. So mm-hmm. he, he seems to be able to get it done a little more, but hey, it could be fool's gold still. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of guys are 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 already owned who are starting, but um, Homer Bailey pitched great today against the. He's I've mentioned it, in I, six innings. I, I mentioned it on Quick Hits. He's been very good in that ballpark. Um, yeah. I recommended him against the Giants because it was in, in San Francisco. And then mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't want to recommend him today against the Yankees. I don't care what ballpark you're in. Yeah, right. You could be in Yellowstone, and I still won't recommend him. But um, in that ballpark, he's been very, very good. And that's the thing with Homer Bailey, and that's the thing with a lot of these A's guys. You know, Tanner Rourke in that ballpark. They, they, that ballpark is so, so valuable to pitchers. It's crazy. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, even like Matt Harvey's going over there. I'm interested to see what happens yeah. there. Did, did, did you? I didn't see. How do you pitch in Vegas over the weekend? Oh, I, 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 w- I was not tracking it. Um, I'll look it up while you keep I've talking. given up on him. He was one of my bold predictions earlier in the season about how he was going to be great. Uh, just a couple guys that kind of like uh, are, are interesting. One thing that's interesting is the Tigers have been doing this piggyback where they do Norris for some innings, and then they have Verhagen pitch and so they're not great matchups but Verhagen actually hasn't been that bad um for the Tigers let's see what what, what is he at um uh when I when I was looking at him the other week and he had a CSW around 30 percent but he's pitched pretty well and he's kind of serving in the post opener uh for Norris and he has a two start next week um, uh, two guys, which this is really, really dangerous, uh, territory I'm going to go into to recommend, but, uh, Joe Musgrove, uh, next week, um, has, uh, I believe, um, I believe he is, is it next week? Maybe I'm making this up. Oh no, I guess he's, he's at Philly. I must've been reading it wrong. Uh, it's at Philly in Colorado. So never mind. Never mind. I'm going to take that away. Um, but just some random guys like 15 team leagues, Wade LeBlanc has actually, the skills have been really good. He still gives up a ton of runs, but he can get you some K's. Um, so just throwing out a few, few little names, uh, right there. Uh, Harvey reason, real thought, quick. Yeah. Harvey real quick. Four innings pitched, two hits, no runs, five K's. And I don't even see any walks. Mm. 
in Vegas. That's pitcher friendly or hitter friendly. Interesting. So, I'm not hopping back on board. I can't. No, no, no. By no means am I recommending it. But if we get a chance for Harvey and Oko, and I got to make that com- uh, that decision in September against some beat up, you know, team that has other minor leaguers up there, oh, it's man. gonna get interesting. It's gonna I'm, get interesting. I'm seeing it right now. I'm seeing it yep. right now. Oh no! Last week you. of the season, last game of the season, Matt Harvey pitching for Oakland. Against some trying team. to get into the wild card, <laughs> my season resting on it because I believe in fate, and so maybe the bold prediction that I had earlier in the season was really just fate's way of saying you need to pick up Matt Harvey for his last start of the season because he's going to win you a league. So for everybody out there, pick up Matt Harvey now, hold him, wait until the last game of the season. He's going to be pitching it. He's going to win people some leagues. And Toby and I will meet in Oakland to watch it live and, and oh, record absolutely. the reactions as it happens. Oh, man, that would actually be kind of fun, buddy. Bubba. We should do a live podcast on the last day of the season and do like That's a fun. play-by-play because they play all the games at the same time. Like yeah. last year, I was watching all of the games, you know, just trying to keep on track of it. I had like three or four leagues in the balance. Like, we should do that. We'll do that. We'll we, do like a, a Facebook can, Live or like a YouTube or something. Yeah, we can organize something like that for sure. Because like people can tell is while while you're talking and I look up stuff on the computer, I like right over the top of my computer screen is my TV, and I have MLB Tonight on. So every time something pops up, I'm like, ooh, I'm like a little kid watching you know cartoons right now. Like oh, this is amazing. But, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I I love baseball, so that's just yeah. how it goes. <laughs> we love baseball. We love baseball on this podcast, and I think yes. I think our listeners do too. Yes, most definitely. But that'll wrap us up for Bubba and Batflip episode five. Uh, lots of good stuff, lots of good conversation, uh, good players discussed here, um, stuff, uh, fab pickups for the week. You can check out Toby on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. He's got his website, uh, Facebook, you name it, he's got it. So go check all that out. I'm on Twitter at BDNTrick. And until next week, catch you guys later. better with an auto policy from American Family Insurance. No matter what dreams you're driving towards. That's because our expert agents will make you feel totally protected with the right auto coverage at the right price. You'll also save up to 23% when you bundle auto with home. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.